Yes, who's there? The World Health Organization. There's a pandemic. Did that last episode end with me saying who's there? It's knock. I said knock, knock. You said who's there. Okay, just making sure. I don't even remember why we did that. Well, it was to illustrate a point. And the point is, we told half of a joke and then we just concluded it. Just as the Mockingjay tells half of a story and then it just concludes it. We didn't drag it out. We did. Well, I guess of. we did with our. We dragged we it out forgot. for a week, but we didn't drag it out nearly as long as oh. the folks did. Hi, hello, everybody. Welcome to Macaw Podcast. The Macaw Universe. Podcast Universe. This is the end of the. Uh, what is it? May the series be ever in your favor. Hunger Games, and um, this is a podcast where we take on film franchises. We go through them one week at a time, one movie at a time, and we analyze the overarching story, and we exist to prove people wrong when they say that sequels are never better than the originals. That's us, folks, and um, I'm Micah McCaw. I'm Jordan McCaw. I assume we're going to have a plethora of new listeners this episode. Just because, so yeah, that's the numbers us. really indicate that that's what happens on the last episode of a theory of a series. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> our, um, by the way, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is now our number one listened to episode. Woohoo! Yeah, by a healthy margin. So, cool. uh, people are still working their way through our previous, like two two series ago. People are still doing that. Yeah, that's kind of a fun thing about this podcast is. When you look at the numbers, every once in a while, it'll just be like, oh, somebody's listening to Shrek right now. Yeah. And you can, like, totally tell that, like, they're going to Shrek. And then all of a sudden, Toy Story, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. Cool. So um, at the end of this, um, we will announce what our next series is going to be, which is the Patreon series. We and know by today? We don't know. But I'm, oh. I'm going to put a little note for myself, and I'll record over it. Basically, right now, we're down to... Back to the Future, and How to Train Your Dragon, and um, Lord, Lord of, of the, the Rings. Rings. And I really think Back to the Future is going to take this whole thing, which is pretty exciting. That's going to be a fun one. Um, the bracket has been really fun, the Patreon bracket. I'm kind of surprised that How to Train Your Dragon made it this far. Yeah, me too. I'm shocked that Johnny English made it to the final four. Yeah, me too. And... Um, I'm not I'm not shocked about Back to the Future, but um it's still a surprise that it has made it to the final four. Consider like the like with the other ones that yeah. were in this. Yeah, I think so too. I thought Dark Knight was gonna make it farther. Me too. So um anyway, that's been fun. And even though we have reached our goal of ten patrons, maybe we'll do that again in the future. Maybe that'll be a yearly thing. Possibly. I don't know. I can't predict the future. <laughs> even though we make the rules. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so today we're talking about Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, and, um, oh, I forgot to insert the joke. Shoot. What joke? At the beginning, I was gonna finish the knock-knock joke that we ended our last episode with. Oh, no! So, um, if you're hearing this now, folks, uh, this is gonna be out of order, because I'm gonna answer the joke right now, and I'm gonna edit it and put it at the beginning of the episode. okay. But keep the inside baseball here. This will be interesting if this will even be intelligible to listen to. Yeah. Good luck <laughs> editing it. I'll get it. Um, so, folks, this one, again, is directed by Francis Lawrence, produced by the same people, uh, screenplay Peter Craig, Danny Strong, music James Newton Howard, cinematography Joe Willems, same production company, same distribution, comes out November 20th, 2015, little under a month before Star Wars The Force Awakens. That'll come into play. Really? 
in a little bit. Wow. Um, I didn't know that that was like that soon. Yeah. Hmm. So domestically, it makes a little bit under 300 million. Yeah. 280-ish. 281-ish. And then, um, I'm sorry. Yes, domestically. And then worldwide, it makes uh, 658 million. Is this the lowest one? And so I have some stuff for you. So domestically... Um, if we go in order from highest grossing to lowest grossing, it's Catching Fire, Hunger Games, Part 1, Part 2. So, went down worldwide, it goes Catching Fire. That is how I would rank the series. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. Um, well, maybe. It's hard to it's hard to guess. Yeah, yeah. Part 1 is maybe better? Ugh, it's so hard to tell. Yeah. Um, and then worldwide, it's Catching Fire, Number 1, Part 1, Mockingjay, Part 1, Hunger Games, and then part two. So it did consistently like go down for the most part. Um, and then, yes, just to keep us in order, and this is how we did the podcast as well, if we're taking into account YA books that are split up into two parts, there was Harry Potter, then there was Twilight, and now it's Hunger Games. And this is the last of it, as far up to this point, as far as sure. um, my knowledge tells me. If I'm wrong... I, Please, somebody tell me. I know well, the, the Hobbit. The Hobbit, yes. Um, which is something we have to cover at some point. Yeah. But that's kind of a different animal. This is like the... Oh, no, yeah, it is. Split into three parts. Yeah. Um, so they did not use any CGI for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Just two rewritten scenes. Mm-hmm. One was the letter that he mm-hmm. reads. He was supposed to be in that scene. Yeah. Um, and if you don't remember, folks, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman died during the production of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2017, John Feltheimer said that he's interested in doing spinoffs of this movie, of these movies. Okay. Well, there's a prequel coming out, so. Well, yes. And that's uh, just in June 17th, 2019, Joe Drake announces that they are working with Suzanne Collins to adapt the forthcoming Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a prequel about a failed rebellion 74 years earlier. Um. I feel like it's gonna it's just automatically can't be as cool mm-hmm. because you know like rogue one is about what happened before a new hope right mm-hmm. that is cool because it, it's like a it's a story that we never really thought we wanted yeah but we did know that the people died to get this mm-hmm. that was like a deserve like an earned story i think yeah this one it's like 75 years before or something like that 74, yeah. 74 years before this one, and it's not even talked about. They do mention it. They mention it? A couple okay. of times. Well, at least they mention it, because it's... I think it's kind of a cool idea, because in the in the movies, they mentioned that that rebellion was like the last rebellion, and that's when they started the Hunger Games after that. I'm just curious what change it causes that's not negative, because A New Hope or Rogue One, whatever, caused change that was positive. Sure. Does that yeah. make sense? I'm just curious. I think it's far enough back in the the past that they can kind of do what whatever they need to do. With yeah, it. but it's like it's with the knowledge of what is going to happen. That to me, sometimes this one to seems me, so much less risky than Rogue One to me. Well, no, it's just when I hear that it's like a prequel that far back, I just I don't know. It's just kind of like yeah, I think I would just rather watch the Hunger Games though. Oh uh, yeah, because like fantastic. I I could just I guess I'm just conditioned to believe that they're trying to make it as epic as Hunger Games because of Fantastic Beasts uh-huh. and The Hobbit. That they're gonna try to make it this intense, crazy, as crazy of a thing that happened. Theoretically, this would make sense though. 
yeah, for that to happen because just, it's it's what changes the government. Yeah, I guess. That's my argument. I just have like you. no hopes at all for it. No, I don't. I mean, I don't either. Like story wise, I don't really have any hope for it. Yeah, I think the story would like like the story of the Mockingjay would probably be cool. I don't know that they'll pull it off in a movie. Yeah. And if if you're listening to this episode, folks, the book came out like last week. May 19th is when oh. the book just came out. So I'm sure the book's um, great. Yeah. I'm so watching the, these last two movies. It's like, dang, I bet the book's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just dropped my phone. Um, and then my last note is a very funny note. There is a movie poster for this movie um, promoting the movie that it would come out in 100 days. And in the word 100, in the letter 100, they, they put a smaller subtext of the word until. So it's like a hundred until Hunger Games, Mockingjay, um, Catching Fire. But the U cuts out some of the O. So the O kind of looks like a C. And then it says until. <gasps> and it says the C word. <laughs> and if you look at the poster, just look up um, Hunger Games C word. It's so obvious. It's like crazy that someone missed that. And they released that? Yeah, it was out. And then they had to like remove it. But it totally says C until. <gasps> That's <laughs> so bad. Isn't that kind of funny though? Yeah. That, ooh. Yeah. This is like a young adult thing too. And it's about the protagonist is a girl. <laughs> I know. Ugh. It's like the worst recipe. So um, that's all my production notes. I don't think I have anything. Yeah, did we get I any mean, the, new cast members? Yeah, but they're like people when she goes to the Capitol, like those new band of people. The new we watched it last night, but the new band of people that she goes into it's the Capitol. It's like Marisha Ali's leading these new people. Oh yeah, those were on the last. Oh the no, oh they're, yeah, yeah, there's a couple. But I that like nah. I could look up that one lady, but nah, it's fine. Yeah. Um. So this movie starts. And it picks up, I don't know, seconds after the last movie when um, she's got a bruised neck after PETA has strangled her. Right away, the beginning kind of sucks because I didn't even remember that that happened. Oh, I thought it was good. I I don't know. It's just like they don't really... I mean, I don't know. My problem with this movie is it just expects you to remember everything from the previous movie. Yeah. And I know that it's a series, but I mean, like I watch Endgame, and it's not like, oh, you, you, you know, you, you could forget some stuff from Infinity War and still follow the movie. This is kind of like unintelligible on its own. Like you can watch Endgame, and you can understand it. You can't watch this and understand it just by itself. It's I, just, it's outrageous that this is a movie. Yeah, it's just outrageous. I'm talking quietly because I'm so angry. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. So Peta's really mad, and he looks all gross and sad. Uh, and then we kind of find out that like there's this hint throughout the whole movie, which they kind of try to make the thrust of this movie, which is the the District Thirteen in in its if it's in power if it's in a place of power is just as uh um not District Thirteen Julianne Moore's character. Because yeah, she's remember, leading them. Yeah. And I think that because some people, the smart people, realize, man, this looks really familiar. 
Why does Which we actually haven't off? even said what it is. You just understood what I was saying. Yeah, but. Bull Julian Moore. It's just that her her leadership is looking a lot like Donald Sutherland's. Yeah. Like dictatorship. Um, so throughout this movie, you realize that all the people are, some people are under, like becoming very suspicious of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea why this is a movie because it is one of the slowest movies I've ever seen. And it's because they have already told most of the story in the last movie. Um, so what sucks is the story is so interesting. Yeah. And the whole time watching it, I'm like, dang, I bet this scene is so good in the book. (laughs) Just like so many times. And so, Okay, so PETA has been drugged and he has been conditioned to hate Katniss, therefore pretty much hate anything that she stands for, which is freedom mm-hmm. in a way. But he, slowly he's he's coming back to, to a little bit of normalcy. Um, I don't know, Gail's still in it, I guess. And he was, he was who I was going to say is like, he doesn't mind playing dirty. And yes. Katniss is like, huh? That's, That's yeah, kind of like the first hint of... Oh, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. This isn't like the new free republic. Yeah, because it's it's an interesting uh, like question that's posed. Like he where he's coming from, it's not like he's malicious. Mm. He's looking at it very pragmatically. Of like, like his his outlook is if these people are choosing to fight for the enemy, then they are risking their lives to get killed for it. Like that means that they're willing to die for it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what war is. And he he basically is depersonalizing it. Uh-huh. He, he's not looking at it as killing individuals when that's all she can think of. Yeah. She pretty much said those exact words of like, I more than anyone should understand that you're killing individuals. Well, and, um, and there is kind of a parallel between if, if you look at like Vietnam or Afghanistan where there's like all this bombing. And then it's like, hey, civilians are in there. And it's like, yeah, but there were terrorists in there. Or there's, um, you know, there's bad guys in there as well. And she's bringing up the point like, yeah, but that doesn't make us, that, that, that puts us at the same level. Like, we're killing innocents. That's never okay. And he, he's saying, like, they're expendable, though, in those situations. Yeah. Which is, that is a good, that would be cool. It's interesting. I bet it's interesting in the book. <laughs> so that's a district two. And then she gets shot, but she has a wearing bulletproof outfit. So she's fine. A pointless development in the story. No, because, because you said you were like, oh, I think that was um, planned. Like uh-huh. that was planted. It wasn't. She was actually shot. Yeah. Because you, you thought that like that was maybe a show orchestrated by Julian Moore. Yeah, so that they but, could like kill her, and then she could go do something undercover. Which that's what people believe, and that and it's she is like we are going to make turn this into a story, which they do. Yeah. Okay, which that that whole development I'm confused about though because they're like they're like okay, so she is not um, dead, but then when she goes and sees people, they're not like oh you're not dead. They're just like oh what's up, Mockingjay. I think, her, yeah, I know. And I think Julianne Moore is like, I, people need to like see, you know, people are going to see her walking around and so they called, she said that she's mythical. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, so that happens. And then I mean, what, after that, she's like, I need to kill snow. I mean, she meets up with that one girl who was also taken by the Capitol. I can never remember her name. The girl from Donnie Darko. Oh yeah. But, um, she, she gets, it gets to a point where she tells her, like, Katniss is like, I, I have to kill Snow. 
And then she said, like, you better go do it then and I'll help you get out of here. I am skipping over so much stuff. But the thing is, you're not. No, in I a, know. In a, that, no, yeah. we Yeah. Finnick gets married, I guess. Cool. I'm sure, like, that is something you totally could have cut from the movie. Because uh-huh. I the only thing it accomplishes is we feel a little bit more bad that he died. I kind would of. still he feel just, pretty bad if he died, though, because of his him in the last two movies. I don't need... The, I don't need to see this. Like, seriously, people, it's essence of time. Okay, so... Well, okay, can I jump in on yeah. a thought here? One, the movie is paced really poorly. Yeah. And speaking about Finnick's death, I'm going to jump to it. When he dies, he just gets overwhelmed by the the zombie lizards, and that's just kind of it. There's, there's, like, no repercussions to his death. And I actually, at the end of the movie, I was like, did he die? I can't remember. That's what I thought. Well, the only way you're like really reminded or like feel the impact of it is when Peta's reading the letter from his wife. Yeah, and you're like, "Who's the wife?" Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that she's definitely a a character that you're like, "Man, I wish I had read the books for her character." Because who is this again? <laughs> Anne? Who? Yeah, I think that's her name. I can't remember. Um, but okay, yeah. So jumping forward, she goes to the capital um, to like the battle without anyone knowing and then when it finds out everyone finds out she's there julianne moore's like yeah she'll publicity stunt we'll make it work i actually think julianne moore has got a pretty fantastic performance in the movie it's not really her performance it's her character that i it's just well, i like like the ticks she's doing and no, stuff no, no, like and that i'm not talking about her performance it's whatever i don't know oh that you don't like i don't even i think i don't think it's i think it's that I am annoyed by her character. It's not because of her actual character. Cause I'm sure in the book it's really good. Yeah. But in the movie, it's just what's going, what? Okay. Cause you, I mean, you do start to be suspicious of her because she's acting suspiciously. Yeah. Um, like it really doesn't feel like she, I mean, she honestly does not care about Katniss's life. She cares about her, her mythical status. Okay, so she goes to the capital. Gail finds her. Oh, hi, Gail. You're still here. Um, and her, she is now with a band of people who are like the publicity people who um, everyone wants to see them for propaganda purposes. Yeah. So they're wandering the capital um, to get really good footage for propaganda pieces. Do you want to talk about all of the like landmines? Yes, but... Um, one- oh, and Pete is there. Yeah, because they need him for the propaganda in case she dies. Which, yeah. why would you put him in the same place if you want uh, only one of them to die? It doesn't make sense. But, um, I, so one, one thing I want to point out about the movie before I talk about that is this movie is just like, the formula to this movie is Katniss goes into a room, she sits there quietly, she has a conversation, usually about PETA or the Capitol, then they go to another room, repeat. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Small action beat, one to three minutes long. Then oh my it's, gosh, it's so sluggish. Then it's one. Then it's repeat of that, repeat of that, and it's the whole movie. And already the last movie was that. Mm-hmm. And it, it just this movie reeks of because again, I th- I think about Harry I, because we're looking at this through the lens of the split YA books. Harry Potter had a lot to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could have done it in one movie. I have a few issues with it, but as a whole. It's an experiment, and they're the first to do it. Kind of cool. Yeah. Works. Yeah. Twilight, no way did it need to be cut into two. 
But when I was reading stuff about it and like the way they attempted to do it, I see what they were attempting to do. They did not accomplish it. And that one's like the source material is already pretty bad. Yeah. So then you go to Hunger Games and the source material seems to be really amazing. Yeah, and they cut it into, and this one just reeks of we want more money. This yeah. is this is where it finally, to me, is like that's what this move feels like. Yeah. The other ones feel like there is at least a, a semblance of artistry involved, and this does not. Yeah. So there's landmines all over the Capitol that have, like, different games attached to them. Now, this is clever. Yes. Uh, props to Suzanne Collins turning it into another Hunger Games. Yes. To get to the Capitol, there's all these things. There's this one really cool effect where these machine guns like burst it out of a wall. Burst. Uh, burst. <laughs> burst out of a wall. And it was just like a beautiful CG effect. I could, it like looked so real. Yeah, it looked pretty good. It was awesome. And then followed by. Followed by, they get attacked by Spider Man symbiote. Um, the black goo that uh, becomes Spider Man. And then. Um, Later becomes Venom and Carnage See, but and Anti Venom. We really and stuff. unclear on how this one worked. Okay, so there's black <laughs> fluid coming at you. You probably don't want to touch it, no, no matter what it does. So they're running away naturally. But one guy gets pushed into it, and these cables come up. Yeah. And I don't even really it's kind did of they looks like a spider web. That's what's even more confusing. Yeah, but it's like did they go through him? Did they just lift him up? Why would it do that? Are the cables the thing that killed him or was it the black sludge? Is this in the book? Cuz if it is, please tell me what this is. Yeah. And I want to I just need to know physics the physics <laughs> of what this thing does because we talked about it for minutes. <laughs> we did. During the scene. And at one point Liam says, "I think the oil's dried." Yeah, so it's like, and oh, it's, so that's it's not oil. oil. That's like not the consistency of oil. Well, that's just the not great effects, but... but. Well, so here's here's what I want to point out. Um, and if you have listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that Jordan and I really fight up against the idea of like getting lost in the details and like the minutia of a movie when a movie's trying to tell a story and it would make less sense to dig into why a character made... Yeah. Or why why they like did go through that door in a horror movie sometimes it doesn't really matter yeah. you just got to go with the movie yeah but in this i'm sitting there and i'm like i'm a person who actively fights against that that tedious thinking and i'm sitting there and i'm like i cannot figure out this black goo and i think this is like a very poorly adapted thing because if i was adapting this material i would look at it and i'd go there's this goo it shoots this web thing I don't really, it makes a lot of sense if you're reading the book, but a lot of these people haven't read the book. Slash, this is not the book. So we yeah. should, hmm, change it. Yeah. And you shouldn't be afraid to change it because that would, as our rules for adapting books, it would be a better um, use for A visual movie. representation. Yeah, because if you're just going to copy and paste a book, why are you adapting it? That's yeah. what I have to say. There's no purpose in doing that. You need to bring something to the material. And this, the whole, I mean, now I'll go to my bigger point of this. The whole movie is like, there's all these scenes and all this stuff where it's like, yeah, I'm sure that's in the book and I'm sure the book is great, but I don't need this scene as a movie viewer. I understand what's happening. Skip it. Cut it. I'm not reading the book. Or it goes to something and you're like, I don't really understand what's happening. Yeah. Skip it. Cut it. Change it. Don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. And I'm curious, too, because the, the first two movies are, you know, Hunger Games actually happen in them. 
they definitely have they take their time with it in leading up to those to the hunger games yeah and i would say that's there was pretty good pacing of like it felt like calm before the storm Mm -hmm. and and a lot of it but once you got to the hunger games you know that was like the bulk of the movie and the it was like action quick fast interesting yeah and a bunch of strategy so these two movies are have like i it I mean, probably not really in terms of runtime, but it feels like it has like barely any action in it. Yeah. Because I mean, Hunger Games are an orchestrated thing that you are expecting. This is like you don't really know what to expect, but at the same time, this you know they are in the Hunger Games again, like you just said, and I'm sure that's what it is. So why why does it take so long? Why are there so many pauses? Yeah. During this, it just needs to be a roller coaster. And the way and a way to make it the, a roller coaster is don't make it a, a whole like don't separate the source material. And if you really feel like you have to, like like you better really visually represent why you feel like you had to. Yeah. And I don't think that they accomplished it at all. No. And yeah. <laughs> I okay, so we're at the the black oil stuff and then they leave. Yeah. And they go through these tunnels. The sewers, yeah. And the action sequence, the the way that it's put together in pretty much all respects, I could not figure out the geography of what was happening. Yeah. And that is like a big, if you're going to do an action scene, unless you are trying to purposely show disorientation, um, you need to have a clear sense of where people are, where they're going, or what they're trying to accomplish. And these action sequences, I'm like... I, I don't know which tunnel that character is looking down as opposed to this character. So weird. And it was, I mean, it was like really dark too. And Gail's just shooting fire arrows (laughs) when there's like pipes everywhere, which was a cool effect, but didn't make sense. Logically, I don't think that that's okay. (laughs) No, I don't know. That might be, I mean, that's definitely overthinking it. Um, Okay, yeah, so that they go through these sewers because they're trying to avoid more landmines, and then, of course, the capital finds out, so they release th- what are apparently lizard mutants. They're lizard mutants. Um, obviously, they changed that a little bit because no yeah. part of them did I think that they might have been lizards at one point. Yeah, which, hey, maybe that's a good um, adaption, I guess. I have to say, though, I didn't <laughs> like it. Not no. the, the effects were pretty good. It's the, not the, the effects, effects that I have a problem cool, yeah. with. But... The, so like in the, is it the first movie with the dogs? Yeah. So you have those weird dogs in the first movie. Pretty interesting because I know dogs. Yeah. Like that. That was because this world is set in a time that is definitely in the future, but it is not fantastical. No. In that way, even though there have been a ton of science scientific advancements. So when you Which have these what weird, might say it's dystopian. Yeah. But so you have these weird alien, and I mean the movie alien type looking things Mm -hmm. in here. It feels like they're just aliens that they found on a planet that they're now using as weapons. Like it's too out there. And I'm really curious what the lizards things things are like. Yeah. Because I've that's believable to me. Well, I think they were supposed to have like tails and yeah, and they probably like run really fast on all their fours and they look I, I just it's interesting. Curious why yeah. they changed that. Well, and and I don't know what this unspoken rule is that for some reason like PG thirteen movies are not allowed to have like good action scenes. Have you noticed that? It's yeah. like unless yeah. it's like a really great director, you're just gonna get a sequence where you're like, oh, okay, I guess. I really wonder if a lot of that comes down to because this is so it's a it's a franchise movie, big budget. Do they shoot these movies at the same time? Yes. So yeah. you have a 
ton of crazy scheduling. Maybe they just literally did not believe that it was worth the time to choreograph something. Well, and off, I mean, oftentimes blockbusters don't have great action sequences. Yeah. But, I mean, I suppose, from what I hear, like, Fast and Furious has great action sequences. John Wick is technically a blockbuster. Um, yeah. Marvel's getting there. They're starting to do some better action sequences. Yeah. They're not, like, the best. I hope that when Shang-Chi comes out, they really dig into some martial arts and yeah. make it incredible. But they're kind of getting there. But they have a lot of other stuff that's going for them, which if you want to know about that, go back and listen to all of our episodes on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so now let's talk about cat girl. Okay. Well, so they make it through the sewers and then one of the girls is like, I know someone who might be able to help us. And they go to this place and there's a tiger person that helps them. And I am actually glad that Lauren had told us that there are tiger people because I think that if I didn't know about that, I would have lost my mind having seen this person. Yeah. But she explained in the books they basically they have reached science scientific advancement. I'm saying that in such a dumb person way that like people confuse with animals. So yeah. it's a type of genetically modifying something. Cool. I think that's cool. So when I saw this, when I saw it, I was like, okay, I like know what this is. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's like an explanation. I put that in quotes, you know, like a sci-fi explanation right. for it. That doesn't seem to be too bogged down in the details. Um, that being said, really weird. See, and I, I think it's really distracting as a non-book reader. And I, yeah. and I know... Oh my gosh, absolutely. I would have not included <laughs> this in a movie. No. Well, and, and I know that we have... We've been sitting through the movies and we know that they've genetically modified hornets and dogs and I think and um, those monkeys... lizards. Yeah, and um, well, lizards. those monkeys look normal to me, but I guess maybe they might have been. Uh, well, I just saw it when I was trying to look up those lizards yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Um, as I mean, like why, listed why as mutated be? but yeah. um you know so you're like okay i could assume humans and um but i i, I just feel like it, it it's an easy like you have so many useless scenes in this movie why not a scene where they walk through a lab that has like human parts and animal parts and she's like they've been testing on humans and mm-hmm. she breaks down mm-hmm. that's an easy fix and then you see this creature in that lab or something and you're like oh my gosh yeah. But there's no lead up to it. You just see this person. Yeah, kind of like a behind the scenes on how the games are done. Yeah. Because we do see that a tiny bit when the games are going on with Phil Sumer Hoffman and Wes Bentley. Like, because yeah. they actually create the games. But yeah, that would be interesting. Well, you know, you do in the last movie, they do go into a, a lab looking area to save PETA and the other people. Yeah. We didn't see anything there. No. It just was white. That symbolizes to us a lab. Yeah. Well, and and I think um, that uh, the books apparently are all first person. Yeah. Um, And there's just all all told from Katniss's perspective. And and maybe, I mean, sometimes I think adaptions could be as simple as being like, okay, this this is told from this perspective. Let's do zoom out and do like third perspective. Let's like or really dig into this other character and get into the mind of something that's not as expanded. That's the, I just book. don't think people um, feel comfortable enough taking that risk. I don't because think so Because fans either. are ruthless people. And yes, that is part of the problem. Don't be the fan that gets mad when there's a small change. Now, we will combat some stuff in The Hobbit. Oh, uh, well, yeah, there's, there's a balance. There's there is a balance. always a balance. But, but we talked about this last night. We, we were like, 
it, it's such a relief that the the original three Lord of the Rings movies came out before. This is what you said. Came out before all these split adaptions because they force themselves to like cut stuff, add stuff, and just make a great adaption and make it one movie: The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two and Towers, The Return of the King. That they were three hours long. Yes, that was a blessing. Because the story's so good. And they weren't afraid to do something which I would consider a huge change, which is adding the fight in Osgiliath, um, where Frodo almost gives the ring to the Knight Rider at the end of the yeah, two towers. Yeah. Not in the books. Um, or, or if it is, it's not like that. Oh, I haven't read the books in so long. Yeah. Um, and so wait, did they just add that, add that, period? I, th- I believe so. Um, Mike let us know Mike or Rebecca let us know I can't remember for sure but I know that in the two towers they fight Shelob that's like Mm -hmm. the climax of Frodo and Sam's adventure and they were like no let's add this other scene add some more tension with Gollum and then let's put Shelob in Return of the King and it works perfectly and when you read the book you're like oh this is fun it's different I'm curious how much easier and harder it makes to write a script on source material that has so much that has more lore than they know what to do with yeah like Lord of the Rings so I wonder if having all of these crazy backstories and history Mm -hmm. made it easier in a way because you know they had to have talked to experts maybe it does because look at Harry Potter same amount of like intensity and and not same amount but like a the lot histories of and the lore yeah and so there, there is something to like when you watch those two franchises you're like there's so much more than what i'm seeing but they laser focus it still yeah and i would argue for hunger games there is obviously its own history because a lot of it's based on history yeah. but it is very like in the moment this is what's happening right now uh-huh. so i think it would be a little harder i don't think there's as much yeah. because they're forging new things and, and I almost wish that these movies were told from, like, like they had a filmmaker, like, like slash the budget in half on all of them, and you make, like, you, you hire, like, a like an A24, like, minimalist director to, to really dig into the emotions and then have, like, really interesting action sequences that are low budget. I, that would be maybe my fix for this series, even though I like the first two. It's just they're they're and a little forgettable. Jennifer you know? Lawrence's performance remains consistent and good. Oh yeah, she's, she's awesome. great. I think I think the performance. I don't really have any problems with any of the performances. No, I don't think I do either. Um, I think the casting's pretty. I mean, Woody Harrelson is kind of take it or leave it on some scenes. Yeah, but as a whole, it kind of provides to his character. You yeah. Know? Um, but that makes me think of another big problem with this movie. There's only one scene with the Tooch Man. Yeah. Uh, big yeah. mistake. And it's not even and him in the flesh. Wait, what happened to him? We don't even know what happens to him. Oh, he probably escaped to Argentina where you can't be extradited. <laughs> Is Argentina within Penham? That's where all the Nazis go. Oh, <laughs> no. oh, sorry. <laughs> You're asking a real question. <laughs> well, not yours was the real question. Real answer. Mine was the, the dumb answer. Um, okay. <sighs> Take a breath, everybody take a stretch so cat person helps them and then katniss and gail are gonna go to because they're close to the capital they're like in hooded cloaks go to the capital they're gonna storm it and everyone and um who lives in the capital is going there because president snow has told them that they will be um basically given asylum if Mm -hmm. they if they go there um because you know the city's like destroyed in this war 
So they're going. Um, it is a pretty uh, nail-biting scene because there are like stormtroopers, <laughs> peacekeepers, yeah. uh, checking everyone, like yeah. checking their faces. So they're it's it's a it's very quick. You know, they're trying to figure out like what is an audible, but there's peacekeepers everywhere, and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't think this is gonna work. Mm-hmm. And then a bomb goes off. Yeah. Um, and what do you okay so this whole thing that's about to happen all of this these bombs so many people die yeah what do you think about this stuff so like before you answer that though so like this bomb goes off gail gets taken away by peacekeepers and then she's like okay i guess i just have to go alone oh well her and gail get a little bit farther whatever so then she is really close to the gates and she sees her sister and um her sister's a medic helping people and then more like a rain of bombs fall from the sky yeah and um she literally becomes the girl on fire uh Mm -hmm. and then we both thought it was a dream sequence (laughs) yeah i mean she looked really dead too and i don't know what the story is so i was like maybe she did die i don't know yeah (laughs) um so all this was so quick and so jarring and everything was leading up to this point and this happened yeah so I'm going to tell you about something that I kind of miss in movies that someone like Tarantino or like John Wick does really well. And I, I know that this is not the type of story, but I kind of just like when she's like going to kill president snow, the whole movie in my mind, I'm like, this would be so awesome if she has a showdown with snow and kills him. a la Django unchained at the end of Django unchained. But no, it's like it has to not be that thing. And I know I don't at the same time, I don't think it should have done that. But sometimes like a little simplicity in a story can go a long way. I know. And sometimes I just yeah. wish. And, and I think if the movie was one movie, if Mockingjay was one movie, they cut um, an hour and a half from it and they maybe even use the same footage. I'd have been like, that was a cool movie. Oh, and absolutely. Because once this all happens and you still have 30 minutes left at least, and you're like, no, 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 the movie's over. Yeah. Why is there more story to tell? And I would have been like, interesting. But since the whole uh, two hours of this movie has felt like the, the beginning and ending of an act two and not like a rise or fall, I've just been sitting there like, oh my gosh. So when it gets there... I just selfishly, even though, again, the story does not need that, I just wish that she'd have gone to Snow and just, like, smashed his face in. Yeah. And it would have been, like, yeah, finally, like, a vindicated moment. Yeah. And, um, again, I just want to stress, I don't actually think the story should have done that. But with the movie I saw, I don't like that it didn't do that. Yeah. With this, the story itself, very cool, actually. Oh yeah, it's, it's so a interesting. Nice turn on its head, and it it nails home well, I'm just, that idea of like, you know, power corrupts. Yeah, and I'm just upset that the those last thirty minutes of the movie were the most interesting parts of the movie. Yeah, and I had to sit there two hours to wait for it, and by the time I got there, I was just like praying for this movie to end, even yeah. though we got to the most interesting part. Yeah, that you shouldn't be feeling that way. This movie felt like. The it's this movie and the last movie, the way it felt like it was written by people who were inexperienced writers who are like so nervous about ruining a moment that they put it off for so long. And by the time they finally get there, it's it's like they're, you're so afraid to get to that point because you feel like you're not good enough to write it 
or you're afraid that once you write it, it's over because you don't want it to end. And that it feels more like that, that they're just really trying to make this not end Mm -hmm. because they know how many people are going to pay to see this movie. And again, we want to reiterate anyone involved in this movie production. If you'd like to be on the pod, come anytime and we'll take back everything we said. And we also understand. I'm taking back. I'm taking back nothing. Well, but we, we do understand like movies are a complicated thing. We, we, we do this because we like to talk about movies and we, we like to analyze them. So we try not to give any offense to the people, but this is what we do. We're critics in a sense. Um, yeah, I, it's just, it's really cool for the story. And, and, and there's weird things like she, so she goes and she talks to snow in the next scene and and he's I, it's just i was so like shocked by what was going on that i don't even remember what he said also i'm sitting there and i'm like so we spent you know all this time just talking about the capital doing all this stuff breaking down every little thing and i'm sitting there and i'm like I, they don't really explain what snow's doing in his garden or like how he survived the attack or any they just kind of like gloss over that and i'm like wait that's the kind of stuff you need to spend time on oh yeah because because it Based on what we just watched, she wants to kill him so bad. What is stopping her from doing that Tarantino come in? He starts doing a monologue and she just kills him without even waiting to hear. Because Mm -hmm. that would be more interesting because he's been established as someone who gives monologues. Typical bad guy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And her flipping it on its head of just killing him. Yeah. Which is something that it has been proven to us by her character that she cares about nothing else but killing him at this point. And the time that she's finally facing him, she does all she says is, I don't believe you, and walks out. Obviously, she does get the chance. And maybe that's the whole, it's like she knows she's going to get her chance. I'm like, dude, if that was me, I would have not cared about anyone else and just killed him Yeah. at that point because I would be so angry because he just caused all of these things, whether it was directly or indirectly. (sighs) Okay. So then it gets to the scene of all of the champions with Julianne Moore. And this scene actually made me mad in a good way in terms of storytelling because of her proposal of, I think symbolically we should have one more Hunger Games. And it's like, I'm sure reading the book, you just were so angry yeah. by hearing that come out of her mouth. And I've just said, as we're watching the scene, like, I bet this scene's really good in the book. <laughs> you did say that. I just couldn't. I, I find, I found it a little confusing, like, yeah. a, because it was so on the nose of like the point they were trying to make. Oh yeah. And that I was kind of like, okay, obviously no one in this room votes for that. And then when they do, it's like, huh. Yeah. That literally does not make sense to me, given the three movies I've just watched. So, I, I again, I bet in the story it's pretty cool, and you have the backstory. Um, well, it's like the, the Donnie Darko girls, like, oh, I would love to see District 1 people kill each other. Yeah. That's why she was a yes. And it's like, man, that I wish sense. we could kind yeah. of dive into that character a little bit more. We know mm-hmm. that she's a little, she's ruthless. Yeah. So it's not like that's an insane thing to come out of her mouth, but it did make me feel like, man, I want to like know her thought process a little bit more uh-huh. on that. And then, um, well, uh, yeah, then then it's the end scene, and it's this build up, and right away you're like, oh, she's gonna shoot Julian. It's not the Moore. end scene, Micah. Oh, you want to talk about the prison scene, huh? Isn't that's not even the end scene? What? She goes back home. That's before that stuff. No, I that's thought that was after. after. No, but, you're saying the end scene. This movie's far from over. Oh, no. Well, 
but but she's walking down the the hallway, the big open corridor hallway, and she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna kill Snow as execution," and then she kills Julianne Moore. Yeah. Um, and then the people rush Snow and tear him to pieces. Yeah. I I don't know. I I like that story wise, but I don't, I just don't feel like the movie earned it. No. Um. And then she goes home. Right? Yeah, so... At some point, Gail comes in. Philip... Oh, well, yeah, so Gail... She... Gail comes in, and she's like... She's like, did you know about those bombs that, like, killed all those people? And all he said was, I don't know. And then she said, bye, Gail. And then I think he's like, the only thing I know that I needed to do was protect your family, and I couldn't even do that. Okay. Okay. Peace. And then she goes home. She screams at her cat. That's before she kills Julianne Moore. Yeah. But... So Philip Zimmer Hoffman's character off screen, but like he get, he lets her go back home until this is all sorted out and she can come back and not be killed for what she did. So yeah, so she goes home. She screams at her cat. Her and sister's then, cat. That's why she's sobbing. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It's just kind of like, I just wanted the movie to end by now. Oh, yeah. And then she, P- Peta's there. And you're like, okay, that's it. And then it cuts to them sitting in a doorstep in the rain. And it sits there for 30 seconds. And then, and then he's then reading it cuts a letter. Again, to a letter. And then it cuts another time. And you're like, oh my gosh. Oh, to the bedroom. To the bedroom. And then it cuts to them outside in like field of prairies. And they have a daughter. They have two kids. Two kids. A daughter and I think a son. Um, and then the movie ends. And I was like, oh my god!" And gosh. we were like, no, no, no. This is what, what should have happened. She goes home and she maybe the next morning wakes up and sees Peta walking back into town. And her cutting back to her, maybe she's not smiling because of all she's gone through, but a look of hope. Yeah. Cut to black. Or then do the field thing. But no, don't, don't, don't add, do that. I don't need to see them. I don't have, need to like, see it I don't either. need to see them move on to know that they did. I trust based on how these characters are done, they've moved on. I also don't really care to see this uh, female. This is such a Jordan thing. This yeah. is not wrong that they did this or that the book did this. But like, she's such a strong female character that we don't that we so often don't have. I don't need to see her be a mom. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know that sounds weird. No, no. Being a mom and being married, is, there's no, nothing bad and, about that. I mean... But it's also like... The it movie does not make her less strong being a mom, but I don't need to see it. Yeah, it, it was not led up to in this movie. No. It the was, only indication... She never was like, I can't wait to settle down. No, no. And the, <laughs> the only thing that having a, a family shows is that she's moved on. That's the only thing yeah. that it shows. And so it I'm not saying it like makes her closure weaker. on their relationship, and it's probably the epilogue of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm sure it was really great and tearful in the book. Yeah. Um, golly gee willikers. Um, the series was a roller coaster of emotions for me. Yeah. Uh, I think we covered it. Um, well, a- another thing I do want to say, speaking about adaptions, again, I know, and this, is, this might make people mad, but I sort of miss back in, like, when you look at, like, old 80s movies and stuff like that, when some director would just read a book and be like, oh, we could adapt this, and they just kind of make something that's totally different from the book, and then people read the book, and they're like, these are so different. I kind of miss that. I challenge someone who's a director to do what Stanley Kubrick always did, 
he only made a movie based on a book if he believed he can make it better. Yeah. Do that. I See want, if you can. You know what? I've, I've been thinking about that lately, though, and I wonder if that's true. Or if that's well, just one of those IMDb trivia facts that whether or is not it's true, it's still pretty interesting. Yeah, because I like The Shining equally as the book, but they're so different. And Clockwork Orange is a better movie than a book. Oh yeah. And then what other movies has from books has he done? Well, him oh, and two thousand one, but that was written in collaboration with. Yeah. Uh, I think Lolita really good. And and I think um. L- L- yeah, Lolita, and then what's what's the one the the period one? I think that's based on a book. Oh, Barry Lyndon. Yeah, I think that one is. Um, I bet he doesn't have any. That uh, I don't know. I, I believe it, based especially because of how upset Stephen King is with The Shining. Yeah, and Stanley Kubrick kind of being like, "Yeah, I don't really care. I this is my movie. That was your book." Yeah, and him putting. I mean, this isn't a. a this is in the trivia, but like in the movie, there's that that crashed bug. Uh-huh. which was a uh, i can't remember exactly off the top of my head but it's kind of an fu to stephen king a crashed bug like so when the snowstorm was happening and they're driving oh. he's driving up through it you see a a car accident and it's a bug and i can't like i said do we know if that's real that's what i've heard oh is this from like that documentary like the room 217 documentary? i think it was yeah because th- that's... that documentary is not a super official thing no but it's still pretty interesting yeah yeah um I wonder, so I was thinking about this because yesterday I finished The Stand, or like two days ago, I finished The Stand. And it, it, listener, if you don't know this, Jordan and I love Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Love, love, love. Um, and I was just thinking, like, I wonder if he got really upset about The Shining because it was one of, one of like, those first few, like, first... I, well, it's not only the first, it's probably one of his most personal, I would say, because oh, that could he be is a Jack Torrance. Because this book was written during the time that he was um, addicted to cocaine, and he is an alcoholic. So this is a time when he was drinking a lot. Okay, that would make sense. But I w- what I was going to say is, like, it's still in, like, the probably first segment of, like, books being turned into movies of Stephen King. So maybe he was a little more attached to it. Because now it's, oh, like, probably, everything yeah. gets adapted. And, yeah. like, It Chapter 2 was horrible. And he's like, yeah, I like the It movies. And he's always like, oh, yeah, cool. Dr. Sleep's coming out. And, the, and I think now he's yeah. just like, whatever. I, I write the books. They make the movies. I don't care. But uh, Stanley Kubrick also kind of seems like a guy to me that does whatever he wants. And he doesn't really care about other people's feelings. Yeah. I mean, he genuinely... Uh, uh, what's the word? But he made Shelley Duvall yeah. feel less than and uh, terrible yeah. in order to get a better performance out of her. And it, it kind of messed her up a little bit. Although she does say that like, by the time the movie was done, she was like, like the best director I've ever worked with, like that he could get that out of me. Yeah. But it's like, but at what cost? I know it's so weird because like in high school, you and I... And and just out that that was like when we were really discovering films, and it's like Stanley Kubrick is the absolute best. But if he was working today, and and was acting the way that we our history told us told us he acted, I don't know if I would see his movies. I think I might be like, no, I don't want to support that guy because he abuses his actors. It'd be. But then the yeah, other thing is like like Tom Cruise is like that was one of the best um, experiences I ever had. Oh, did he? Ab- did he do something weird for Eyes Wide Shut? No, no, he would oh. just, he just had him do, he, he, well, I know the movie, it's, it's weird yeah, itself, yeah. so, No, yeah. but he, he just, some, like, he was asked, like, 
you know, what was it like working with him in more recent years? And he's just like, it was the best. I was yeah. working with one of the best directors ever. It was amazing. Yeah. It was hard, but it was amazing. Yeah. But I think it's more just the specifically the Shelley Duvall thing where I feel really bad. Yeah. That he like bullied her. Yeah. And I don't think that that's okay. Yeah. Even if you get a good performance out of it. That being said, I thought she was, she's like really good in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. I mean, I love that movie. I guess maybe I would go see it because I watch The Shining every once in a while because I love it. Yeah. If I really had a problem with it, I would stop watching it. Oh, the ethics of filmmaking. Ooh. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Didn't think we'd end the series talking about Stanley Kubrick, but here we are. Here we and are. I feel a little bit better now. <laughs> so let's rank the movies. Well, you already said my ranking. Well, but say it again. Two, one. Um, I think part one and I think part two. Okay. I I think looking back, I think it's the order in which they were released. You like one better than two? I think so. Oh. But it's hard to tell. Two was just undeniably really good to me. Yeah, it, it was it was really good, but I No, two's better. Yeah. Two, one, three, four. Um, so, anyway, do we have anything else we need to talk about? No, I'm done talking about this movie forever. Okay, well, um, so next week we're doing The Lord of the Rings, including the Hobbit movies. And then, uh, also in that week, so the first month, or the first week of every month from here on out, on Wednesdays, we're coming out with our Patreon-exclusive episodes, and so next Wednesday you can download Finding Nemo. And we're going to, on the Patreon feed, we're going to be doing um, uh, movies that have... Only two entries. Only two entries. So we're going to keep that on the Patreon feed. Loyal listener, if you're not a patron, go check it out. As little as $3 a month, patreon.com slash Micah um, and you can get those extra episodes, and we're gonna—they're gonna be awesome. So we're doing the—we're doing some Pixar stuff first, which is—we all know come true for us, and we all know you guys like Pixar because Toy Story is one of our most listened to series. So uh, join us over there for Finding Nemo next week, and uh, yeah, um, see—we'll see you later. We will. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>